Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. He's going to go wide open left side card. Kelsey corner around. Touchdown. Kelsey hasn't been that open since training camp in St. Joseph. Well, I've been waiting for this. That's pretty good. That's pretty that good from awesome. the New Heights show, the very popular podcast featuring the Kelsey brothers, Jason and Travis, the shirtless Jason flex for the cameras on Sunday <laughs> night becomes a mashup that will go viral, that will have millions of views and will make more people aware of their podcast, which only feeds Shireen. I got to get right into this. It feeds my very cynical nature that that was all pre-planned, pre-contrived pre-engineered, pre-designed, and it worked. It seemed organic. It seemed authentic. It seemed in the moment. But I remember having this sneaking suspicion that when that shirtless move is made right in the right spot, so when the camera cuts up to the box in which Taylor Swift is watching the game, you get the image of the shirtless Jason Kelsey. I think he knew damn well, notwithstanding the amount of beers he had consumed, (laughs) what he was doing and what they were going to do with that Once the shirt was off and he made his emergence, the only key ingredient that was missing was the Travis Kelsey touchdown. Once it happened, boom, there it is. And they did a nice job with it. They did a nice job with it. But I still believe at some level this was planned. This was designed. This was intended. And it seemed spur of the moment. Maybe I'm just too. Well, whether what 
It, it took a few beers, though, Mike. I, I, it, whether it was pre-planned or not, he had to have a couple beers, at least a couple, before he decided to do that. But you're right. He probably went into that thinking he was going to do that, and, and it worked. Everybody, or most people, I think, loved it. So anybody complaining about Taylor Swift, if you're going to complain about Taylor Swift, oh. then you've got to complain about Jason Kelsey. So please don't, either one. I thought it was great. I'm not complaining. Listen, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that that wasn't as natural and spontaneous as we would be inclined to believe in the moment. I think it was premeditated spontaneity. And also, I mean, if we can show it again, he clearly had trimmed the hedges. He clearly had prepared for this. (laughs) You can see he shaved. He shaved the middle of the chest hair so he wouldn't look like Sasquatch. He still left the hair up top because... You know, he he wants to show that, but he he shaved the area just below the pecs. That is shaved. You don't have that much hair up top and no hair at all underneath it. I I know that from experience. You know, the best thing about getting old, your <laughs> chest hair goes gray, so it's not as noticeable anymore. But there yes. Uh but but it's still awesome. But we still have to understand this is part of the show. Are you not entertained? We are entertained. It, it's great. Every movie that's ever made is scripted. They don't have reality TV movies. It's all designed. It's all intended. That's just my point. That was the one thing that when it all happened, it's like, this isn't spur of the moment. There's something that this was this. And it's fine. I liked it. But I still have that little that little kernel of me that's like, you know, we like it even more when it just kind of happens naturally. It was just a little bit, just a little bit. And they and look, we're going to see it everywhere. It's going to be one of the lingering images of 2024, one of the early days of the year. And it is great. I do like it. I got no problem with Jason Kelsey doing Jason Kelsey things. And if he retires from football, as we believe he's going to do, get ready for more Jason Kelsey doing Jason Kelsey things. And frankly, as retired football players go, I'd much rather see and hear Jason Kelsey doing Jason Kelsey things than Rob Gronkowski doing Rob Gronkowski things. I don't want to take that part of it any farther, but, you know, one of the things about approaching 60, I don't know if this has happened to you since you're a few months older than me, but I've noticed over the past five or six years, I get to the point where I reach what I call my lifetime limit of whatever. Lifetime limit of fireworks. Like, I don't need to see any more fireworks. I know what they all look like. I know what they all sound like. I've oohed and odd enough for my life. It doesn't do it for me anymore unless they come up with some great new innovation that I doubt they will in my lifetime. I've reached my lifetime limit of Rob Gronkowski, of, you know, the whole Gronkowski shtick. So I welcome a newly retired football player with charisma who's going to do crazy things and rip off his shirt. A few years from now, maybe I'll reach my lifetime limit, like I have with Gronk. So out with the Gronk, in with the Jason Kelsey, and off we go. If any of that makes any sense. And if it doesn't, I'm sorry, folks, you can't get the last 30 seconds of your life back. I absolutely love Jason Kelsey, and, and I hope we see more of him, and I think we'll probably see more of him in the AFC Championship game in Baltimore. I'm sure he'll do it again, pre-planned or not, Mike. If if his brother scores, I, he's going to do the same stick again at Baltimore. So I expect to see it again because I expect to see Travis Kelsey score again. 
But yeah, more Jason Kelsey. I, I, I just, I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. I love their podcast. I love everything about the Kelseys. I'm with you. I would rather see Jason Kelsey than Rob Gronkowski. So I'm all for it. Let's see more Jason Kelsey. Hopefully he doesn't feel inspired to take it next level in Baltimore and strip down to nothing like Will Ferrell in old school and go running through the Please stadium. Don't. Well, that that would be that would be that would be funny as well. Uh, okay, um, but I I also think we're going to see more of him this fall. The moment that we got this vibe that he's going to retire and he was very like and and again this is part of a broader plan. It's part of a broader business model, and that's fine. You either have a plan or you don't. The Kelseys have a plan, all of them. Mama Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, they have agents, they have managers, they have PR directors, and that's fine. My point is there's a plan when he's going to let us all know that he's retired and he's going to let us know what he's going to do next. And I fully expect him to land in the Amazon booth between Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels. And until someone tells me differently, that's my assumption because he did it last year during the bye week. They did the Kelsey documentary with Amazon. The relationship's already there. It would enhance the broadcast. It would be a nice little twist on what they've been doing. It already has worked. Al was happy and smiling when Jason Kelsey was in the booth, even though I don't think at this point in his life, like he's reached his lifetime limit of three-man booth. But I think he'll make the exception for Jason Kelsey. Or they'll just tell Kirk, you know, stick with college and we'll bring in Jason Kelsey in your place. But I think that's where he's going to be. If I had to lay odds for Jason Kelsey's 2024 destination. The only option in negative territory for me would be Kelsey on the Amazon broadcast for Thursday night football. Yeah, I think he's going to be very good at it, Mike, wherever he goes. I would rather probably see him in the booth than, than in the studio. I, I just, I think he'd be very good at, at, at it. I mean, he's a great, and when you see him in interviews, I've interviewed him a couple times. He's fantastic. Like, most offensive linemen are, but I think he is beyond that because most our offensive linemen are very smart. People don't realize that, but they are. And so he's one of those guys that you want to talk to and you gravitate to in a locker room. So I want to see more Jason Kelsey. I would love to see him on whatever broadcast we're going to see him on, and, and I just think he'll be fantastic at it. And I've been wrong. Like, I, I thought Romo was going to be really bad, and he came in in that first year. He was really good. I thought, you know, Emmett Smith might be – or J- Jason Witten probably more than Emmett Smith would be pretty good because he was so good in interviews. He didn't last very long at ESPN. So I've been wrong about it. But Jason Kelsey just feels good to me about how good he would be in the booth. I, I just think he'd be fantastic. And, you know, on that point, since we got some time to kill today, because there really isn't a whole lot of news going on, and we'll get to it soon. I ran into Sandy Montag on the field before the Lions-Bucks game and talked to him for a little while. He's the agent that represented John Madden. And I told him, and I was just having the conversation the night before with an NBC executive about game analysts. Because I was asked, you know, who, what do you think of whoever? And I said, in my mind, in my mind, it goes John Madden, and everybody else. And there's nobody else that's so bad that you just turn off the TV when you turn on a game. Greg Gumbel made that point a couple of years ago when we were in the middle of the, the whole announcer roulette and this person's going here and that person's going there. Greg Gumbel said somewhere in some interview, podcast or whatever, no one's tuning in to watch a game because so-and-so 
is in the booth. Now, you may turn it off, but th- there aren't many that that you you would regard as appointment viewing. There are none. John Madden was the only one. And that's what I said to Sandy Montag. It was yeah. John Madden and everybody else. And my point here is, could Jason Kelsey develop into a character like that? And, you know, John Madden was so smart, he was able to take his understanding of the game and instantly boil it into sound bites that the average person who doesn't know anything about the intricacies of football could understand. And it made the game feel more inclusive, not alienating. That's the challenge for the people in the broadcast booth. You have to come up with 5 to 15 seconds of commentary that is not alienating or, you know, you're trying to show how smart you are. The people who are truly the smartest don't feel compelled to make everyone know how smart we are and talk about double-A gap blitzes and crossing the face and all the different little terms that if you really aren't a closely watching football aficionado, you're kind of like, what's that? What? 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 I don't understand that. I thought I understood this game. What's he talking about? What's all this jargon? you got to be able to strip the jargon out. And Jason Kelsey, given his years of playing offensive line, would be able to, I think, if he can do it, and again, this is a skill that I'm sure at this point he doesn't even know that he possesses, if he does. But if he could take the details and complexities of line play and make that something, that the average person yeah. could understand in five to 15 second chunks that would put him closer to Madden than everybody else. Have we had an offensive lineman who's been really good at TV? Like none come to mind, right? I'm sure there has been, but none come to mind right away. And, you know, maybe it's cause they're not really the face of the NFL, the face of a team or whatever, but they are some of the best interviews in a locker room ever. They're great. Most of them are great talkers. Tyron Smith comes to mind as one who is not and doesn't like doing it. But most of them are really, really good at it. And, and I think most of them would be really good at TV. And he's one, because of that, I, I just think he, he has that. I agree with you to, to kind of break down the game so you – you understand it as a fan, even if you aren't a big fan of the game. You don't know the intricacies of the game. You can break that down and simplify it, but yet at the same time explain what's going on and why this happened. And and I offensive linemen, because of that, I think would be great at really breaking down that game, Mike. And he in particular, being a center, obviously has all the calls to make on the offensive line, and it's done that for a really long time and played for a really long time and been really good at it for a really long time. So I think all of those things would make him a, a really good broadcaster if that's something that he wants to do. I think part of it is the personality of the offensive lineman. Yeah. This is something Sims and I have talked about. The offensive lineman is wired in a certain way that he does not seek attention. He does not want the spotlight. He understands he has a role that when things are going well, there will be less attention paid to him. Unless he's blocking guys into the front row of the stadium, you're not going to notice him. I'm reminded of Bill Fralick. That was the guy that 
Yeah. About that time, we became aware of the pancake block back in the 80s, the huge tackle from Pitt who went on, I believe, to play for the Falcons. He's now no longer with us. But the pancake block was a thing for a while. You don't hear about the pancake block much anymore because they're not doing a lot of pancaking out there. It's just fending off the defensive linemen who generally are bigger, faster, and stronger than the offensive linemen, so they got their hands full. They're the ones trying to avoid being pancaked by the defensive linemen. But most offensive linemen... They're wired in a way that they're not out there. They're not gregarious in the public eye. They're gregarious in the locker room and around each other. But it's almost like it's part of the code that you don't stand out. Jason Kelsey has earned a dispensation to the don't stand out, no sudden movements, keep your shirt on. You know, And we'll see him from time to time like at a hockey game chugging beers. Like the Tennessee Titans lineman. Hey, there's a yeah. segue into what we're supposed to be talking about. But remember that when the Nashville Predators were doing well, they're, they're – you know, d- dumping beer down their gullets. And we've got the David Bakhtiari, wherever we when he was chugging a beer when Aaron Rodgers couldn't. But but still, you're right. I, I think that, like, Nick Mangold was trying to do some stuff in the media at one yeah. point, and I don't know, like, I don't really see him or hear him, so I guess he's not anymore. Ross Tucker's been in the media for a long time. He was an offensive lineman for the better part of a decade. So there are some, but they're not many. It's a rare commodity. And Kelsey, I think he's got the personality, he's got the charisma, he's got the knowledge, he's got the intelligence. He's going to have the platform somewhere, and he's got the potential to be great. Let's see what happens. But we'll get the formal announcement that he's retired at some point. But until then, he's going to live life and live at large, AFC Championship, and possibly beyond that, Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58, if the Chiefs upend the Ravens on Sunday at M&T Bank Stadium. In Baltimore, we'll be getting you ready for that game throughout the course of the week. But now we pivot what we're supposed to be talking about 16 minutes into the program. See, but they started with the Kelsey thing. (laughs) So they pulled us down this path. And now we talk about I mentioned the Titans. That was the closest thing to a segue I could come up with to get us from Kelsey to this. From very interesting and entertaining to a team that no one's really paying attention to right now. The Tennessee Titans, one of the teams looking for a new coach. They have found their coach. They will hire Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator since 2019. He takes over as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, the replacement for Mike Vrabel. And I'm going to give the guy a chance. I'm not saying I'm not giving the guy a chance. I'm just not inspired by this. I'm not excited by this. Because you had a coach who was doing the job well. He was one of the better coaches in the NFL. And I think the Titans, and I said this when they fired Mike Vrabel, owner Amy Adams Strunk allowed, I think, things irrelevant to Vrabel's coaching ability to cloud her judgment, and she decided she needed to move on, and I don't think she should have. Now, maybe Mike Vrabel just played her. Maybe he wanted out. Remember when it first happened, we thought he was trying to get to New England. That didn't work, but maybe he was ready to move on. Regardless, they should have found a way to make it work with Vrabel because you have a known commodity. This is kind of like what the Bears are going through with Justin Fields right now. You have a known commodity. You're going to roll the dice, and we see it all the time. It is a lot like drafting a quarterback, Shireen. Making a coordinator a head coach. Completely different skill set. We don't know. We don't know. We'll find out. It may be good. It may be bad. He may have it. He may not. We don't know. But we know that Vrabel did. That's my big caveat going into this. And I know it's supposed to be a celebration when a team has a new coach and the glass is half full, and here we go. Maybe we have Vince Lombardi. Yeah, maybe you got Rich Kotite too. There's only one way to find out. 
Anytime, Mike, that you you have a general manager um, hire and the head coach is already there, that puts pressure on that head coach. And that's what the Titans did. They hired, they kept Mike Vrabel last year, a year ago, and they hired Rand Carthon as their general manager. At that point, it became obvious that either Vrabel was going to have a great year and they were going to keep him, or they weren't going to have a great year and they were probably going to move on from him. And we started hearing in the middle of the year about that they just didn't mesh. It was not a good fit. And so basically, I think what Amy Adams Strunk did was pick Rand Carthon over Mike Vrabel. And you don't know really, because you've had one draft, you don't know what you have in Rand Carthon. So to me, this is a huge roll of the dice because you knew what you had in Mike Vrabel. I mean, he was coach of the year a couple years ago, three years ago. So you knew what you had in Mike Vrabel. To me, you're uncertain what you have in Rand Carthon. You picked him for a reason, so you think you picked a good general manager. And now you picked Brian Callahan for a reason, and you think you have a good head coach, but you don't know. It's a huge roll of the dice for this team on both sides, at the GM position and at the coaching position, I think the Titans are, are taking on right now. I get why they hired an offensive coach. They want to develop Will Levis. I, I get that part of it. I mean, I, I thought when they got rid of Mike Brabel, a defensive guy, that they were going to go offense, and they did. I thought that was pretty obvious. But, you know, you go back to a- Adam, Amy Adams-Strunk, because people, including me, criticized them for at least not trying to trade Mike Vrabel, try to get something for him. And maybe they wouldn't have gotten anything for him, but they didn't even make an attempt to do that, apparently, and just said, no, 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 we needed to get on. So you needed to get on this to hire Brian Callahan? I, I just I don't know that you needed to move that quickly to hire Brian Callahan. Maybe you did. He had a couple other interviews set up for this week with the Panthers and Falcons. So maybe you didn't need to move this quickly, but I just, I don't believe they needed to move this quickly to hire Brian Callahan. I think they could have tried to get something for Mike Vrabel and they didn't try to do that. But to me, Mike, it's simple. I I think they picked Rand Carthon over Mike Vrabel and they're gambling that this is going to pay off. We'll see if it works. On the issue of possibly trading Mike Vrabel, I think one of the things I've learned in this cycle is if it's a relationship where there's already signs that it's falling apart, it's so much harder to accomplish that transaction because you do have to wait for other teams to get to the point where their searches have matured. And this year, the process has slowed down more than ever before because in-person interviews of coaching candidates under contract with other teams couldn't even start until yesterday. Yesterday was the first day that you could bring in Brian Callahan and meet with him face-to-face or anybody else who's under contract with another team. So it's going to take a while. It's going to set you back. Here we are two weeks into the offseason already. I think the only way a trade happens is when a phone call is made to a team where it's not kind of publicly known or at least sensed that there's an issue there that would cause the team to say, yeah, I'll take a first-round pick to get rid of this guy, or that causes the coach to say, I'll, yes, please take whatever I want to get out of here. And we just don't know about it. Like we didn't know back in 2002, there was 
that fracture between Al Davis and John Gruden that set the stage perfectly after the Buccaneers were swinging and missing and Bill Parcells left them at the altar and they're looking at this guy, they're looking at that guy, they're looking at this guy, who we're going to hire, who we're going to hire, and then out of the blue, it's John Gruden. I think it needs to happen that way where we just don't know. Speaking of the difference between engineered and organic, it has to feel organic. To the rest of us, it has to seem organic. If we think that there's an issue there and the two sides are going to go their separate ways and it's obvious. I mean, basically, if we're talking about the possibility of a coach being traded going into a hiring cycle, it can't happen. It has to be the coach that we aren't thinking about where the phone call is made. And the next thing you know, oh, look at this. Team X is trading their coach. And it's not really a trade, but it is a trade to Team Y. So I think that's why it didn't work with Vrabel. That's why they didn't want to play the game. That's why they just wanted to get on with it. And you know, there's a certain amount of let's just get on with it. Let's just get this over with. Yeah. And I felt that with Amy Adams Strunk two weeks ago and making this hire on the first day of when you could have in-person interviews with someone. It tells me there's an element of let's just get this done. And I don't know that let's just get this done is the right way to do it. You know, I found my guy. We did a virtual interview with him. I really like him. Let's just bring it in. It's not a process of elimination. It's a process of confirmation. Let's bring him in. Let's sit down with him. Okay, good. Boom. Let's hire him. You know, if we let him get away, somebody else may hire him. We better hire him while we can. And what's funny is, and, and look, I'm not a big fan of the hot candidate thing every year because the media just kind of unofficially agrees amongst itself that so-and-so is a hot candidate. Well, why is he the hot candidate and why not somebody else? Callahan wasn't. So they saw something. They like something. They believe he's the guy. I'm a firm believer in making offensive coordinators head coaches because if things go well and you have a defensive coach, guess what? You lose your offensive coordinator and you got to find another one, and that could screw everything up like it might for the Texans. But, hey, it's their team. It's their choice. It's their mess if it ends up being a mess, and they're the ones who are left to possibly regret moving on from Mike Vrabel and rolling the dice on a guy. Who could be? And I'm sorry, I you know I, I didn't mean to take a shot at Rich Kotite earlier. Guy could be the next Brad Childress, possibly. I'll take a shot at him. Yeah, I do think Mike, when you hire these coordinators who who haven't been head coaches before, you are rolling the dice, and we've seen it work out great for some teams. And we've seen it work out not so great for other teams. You look at D'Amico Ryans, and I think every he was the hot candidate last year, and the Texans got him. And I think we all agree that it worked out fantastic, and you can see how much difference a good coach makes to a team. But you look at others who have done it, and it has not worked out as well. I have no problem that he didn't call the plays in Cincinnati. I mean – Zach Taylor didn't call the plays for the Rams either, and and he's been a very good head coach in Cincinnati. So I have no problem with that, no problem whatsoever. But it's just the unknown of are they going to make a head coach? Are they going to be that leader that you need in the locker room that that players are going to listen to? You know, there's some doubts about Dane Campbell when he came in, and he's turned out obviously to be a great head coach. But a lot of people had criticisms of Dan Campbell. This isn't going to work out. This isn't the usual head coach that we see. You know, this isn't that guy. So maybe Brian Callahan works out. Maybe he doesn't. The Titans had something that they liked about him. 
I don't know exactly what it was. I guess they'll answer those questions in the press conference. I think it's today. But whatever it was, it better work out for the Titans. You don't want to be one of those teams, Mike, that changes coaches year after year after year. The Texans did that and finally hit on one. It took three before they got there, two two failures, one and dones. Carolina's in that same boat, getting rid of coaches year after year to try to find the guy who is the right fit. At some point, you got to find the coach that's the right fit. So this better be the right fit for the Titans, especially considering where Jacksonville and where Houston are in their development right now because they're behind uh, with where they are. So they better hope that they've gotten this one right. And remember this, Brian Callahan and all other coaching candidates, once you get the job and it's time for your introductory press conference, don't dress like you're going to a funeral because maybe you are. Don't wear a suit and tie. Don't do it. <laughs> Gerard Mayo pulled that off last week. Suit and tie season needs to go away. Dan Campbell did the suit and tie at his press conference, his kneecap-biting yeah. press conference. He's dressed like he's going to a funeral. It, hopefully we evolve away from that. That's not the natural gear that we see from coaches. The Tom Landrys are gone. and I, Although we kind of like that. And remember Jack Del Rio and Mike Nolan tried to bring that back 15, 20 years ago. And it yeah. really didn't work because they all have to be walking, talking mannequins for the latest collection of Nike gear that people are buying at NFLShop.com. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what kind of, we'll, we'll just, we'll get our first taste of Brian Callahan at this press conference. The Titans benefit from the fact that they're just kind of there. There isn't really any national following. It's a far cry from the Cowboys. You know, I, I talk from time to time about the possibility of the NFL losing its broadcast antitrust exemption and what that would mean. It would mean the Cowboys selling their TV rights for a billion or more per year and other teams not getting anything. And the Titans fall into that bucket of the teams at the other end of the spectrum that you're not going to get ABC and CBS and Fox and ESPN to do battle with each other to throw money at the Titans to televise their games. They don't have a national following. Winning helps more than anything else. But it just – and they're going to have a great new stadium. And it's a great new city. There's no reason why the Titans should be kind of in that, that category of nobody really cares about them. But they've been that way. Vrabel tried to pull them out of it. There was a time where – the Titans, and it wasn't that long ago, were just the absolute, positive, most irrelevant team in the NFL. Nobody cared. Nobody paid attention. It came on with the rise of Derrick Henry. It came on with the success they had with Mike Vrabel. But even then, they never made it up into the stratosphere. But now they're, they're, they're risking sliding back into that Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt irrelevance that they had post-Jeff Fisher. The Mike Munchak irrelevance that the Titans had. The only way they can get that back really, Mike, is if Will Levis is the real deal. And again, I think we don't know that yet. He did okay um, in his limited appearances, nine appearances this season. Hurt a couple times, eight touchdowns, four interceptions. He was okay. But they had to hire an offensive coach because they want to develop Will Levis. And I think one move they well, two moves, actually, probably they need to make, Mike. They need to keep Charles London. He's the quarterback's coach. You can't change continually staffs and offensive systems for a young quarterback. You just can't do it. You can't have, you know, two systems in two years, three systems in three years, different coaches 
every single year, the quarterbacks just don't develop like that when they're changing offenses, changing offensive coordinators. They need some kind of continuity for Will Levis, and I think that's Charles London, and I've seen a lot of other people saying they need to keep him. They need to keep him as quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator, and a possible offensive coordinator for them is Liam Cohen. He worked with Will Levis at Kentucky he makes perfect sense for them as an offensive coordinator. They need to go out and hire him. And then Levis has continuity two different ways. Yes, you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, but he already knows Liam Cohen. And, and so I think that's two moves probably that the Titans need to make that will help his development. And Brian Callahan, hopefully, as offensive coordinator with the Bengals, he certainly helped develop Joe Burrow in his five seasons there. So hopefully he helps develop as well, Will Levis. But you got to have continuity a little bit with that quarterback, Mike. You just can't keep changing offensive systems and offensive coaches year after year after year. Quarterbacks don't develop like that. Liam Cohen's a good one. He's the guy who things were going so bad with the Rams. He left the defending Super Bowl champions for that football powerhouse known as Kentucky. And I just remember seeing that one happen again. What? Yeah. He's what? So uh, maybe he regrets now leaving the Rams, given the way things have turned around. But he could have an opportunity with the Titans, and you know the other side of it too. This is the Josh McDaniels, Jay Cutler effect, or the Josh McDaniels, Derek Carr effect. Maybe it's just a Josh McDaniels thing, but there is a chance <laughs> that Brian Callahan doesn't like what he's seen of Will Levis. But he wants to yeah. be a head coach, so he'll just go along with the whole, we're trying to make the most out of Will Levis. We won't know what the truth is, and we may never know what the truth is, and it's not like they're going to run Will Levis off the way that McDaniels ran off Jake Cutler pretty much the moment McDaniels went through the door in Denver some 15 years ago, or the way that McDaniels ran off Derek Carr after one year. But we just always assume that the guy that gets the job when it's an offensive coordinator, is fully and completely on board with that quarterback. They sold themselves as being on board with the quarterback in order to get the job. We'll find out how on board Brian Callahan is with the idea of Will Levis. But look, a guy who's been part of this system that's helped produce Joe Burrow and that had Jake Browning playing at a high level for multiple games. Yeah. Maybe exactly what the Titans need. We just don't know. But I'm not going to fall into the trap of just assuming everything is great. Everything is great. Everything is great. Oh, look, new head coach. Hey, that's great. That's great. We got to be realistic because we've been both covering this sport for a long time. We've seen great. We've seen the opposite of great. And if we don't at least, I mean, this is like what happens with the draft. This is one of the reasons that I can't stand watching the draft coverage on whatever network it's on because every guy that's picked in round one, he's great, he's great, he's great. Well, folks, we know from history that half of them are going to be great. And I know we don't want to rain on their parades, but we have to be realistic. A lot of these coaches who get hired in this cycle aren't going to be great. It's why eight out of 32 were fired this year. They're all not winners. And you're reaching your hand into that bowl, Shireen, and you're pulling out an envelope, and it may be winner or it may be try again in a few years, buddy, because you picked yourself a loser. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. 
They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. And not even a few years, Mike, chances are, based on what we've seen over the last few years, that at least one of these hires is going to be fired after one season. That's all they're going to get. So it's, it's a microwave society now in the NFL. You better win now. You better show improvement now, or you could be gone after the first year. So chances are really good that one of these coaches hired this cycle is not going to be the head coach of that team next season. I think we should call it an air fryer society. I think we'd seem younger and hipper if we called it an air fryer society. Air fryers are awesome. Air fryers are awesome. And, And for me, it was easier to make the shift from microwave to air fryer than it was for my parents to make the shift from heating it up on the stove to microwave. Because between the VCR and the microwave, both of those damn things sat there flashing 12 o'clock for somewhere between (laughs) nine months and Uh, nine years. So, uh, okay. So I was going to say something else, and it was going to be really insightful, and I can't remember what it is now, so I'll just move on to the next thing. The Carolina Panthers, another team that has become irrelevant, except for the days when their owner throws a drink on a paying customer in Jacksonville, they have a new general manager. And this is the guy that there was always that kind of buzz that it's going to be him. And it wasn't really talked about much because, again, nobody cares about the Carolina Panthers right now, but Dan Morgan. And he's been a name that's been on the fringes, a guy who's got the potential to be a rising star. He was a, wasn't he a first-round pick? Wasn't he a first-round pick out of the yeah, University of Miami? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, played a long time in the NFL, had concussion issues and retired, got into personnel, worked his way up, and here he is now, the new general manager of the Carolina Panthers. Now, look. My condolences in advance to anybody who has to work with David Tepper. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to kiss the ring of the oligarch who sees fit to throw his drink on somebody. And we have seen many examples from David Tepper in recent months that allow us to say, with as much deference to the king as we can, that the king is riding buck naked on a horse down the street and somebody needs to tell him. Maybe Dan Morgan will tell him. Physically, Dan Morgan can handle himself with David Tepper. I would take Dan Morgan in any and all competitions involving brawn, not necessarily brain, when it comes to David Tepper. So maybe this is what David Tepper needs. Somebody who is just physically strong enough to ignore David Tepper. That's ultimately what the Panthers require. And 
I don't think David Tepper's undergone some epiphany where all of a sudden he's going to get out of football. You take those jobs in Carolina knowing that you're going to have this guy who's a drive-by owner, who's paying attention to his hedge fund, thinks he knows more than he knows. you got to navigate around him and the inherent stress, that feeling when you walk into the building every day. What's the, oh, God, what's it going to be today from the boss? What's he going to want? What's he going to do? And he's clueless as to how that affects the ability of his employees to do their jobs the right way. I'm sorry, but again, we have to keep it real here. So congratulations to Dan Morgan or condolences. I'm not sure which one yet. I'm not sure, Mike, that they had a lot of other options outside of Dan Morgan. You say, well, he was the best option because he's been there and he knows what's going on there and he can work with David Tepper. He knows what he's getting into, but I have to tell you, if I'm a a big-time GM candidate for some of these teams, I'm probably not going to go to Carolina uh, for a lot of reasons, but David Tepper being the main reason. And I did see that they plan on hiring an intermediary between Dan Morgan and David Tepper, and I think that's a great idea. They need somebody that – David Tepper's not always going to Dan Morgan, that he's going to somebody else, and Dan Morgan doesn't have to deal with David Tepper on a daily basis. I think it, Now, will it work or not? I, I don't know, based on what we've seen with David Tepper over the last year. Maybe not. David Tepper might still continue to go to Dan Morgan over and over and over again. But I don't just know how many options, Mike, that this team had for their GM position considering if you had other options, I'm not sure the Panthers and David Tepper are the team that you wanted to go to. And look, ordinarily I would say that if the intermediary between the owner and the GM isn't a football person, now if that person is a football person, that person should just be the GM. But if the intermediary is a business person, a Rich McKay type, although Rich McKay was a GM before, he's not anymore, but he's the intermediary between the coach and GM of the Falcons to Arthur Blank, which could be one of the issues keeping Bill Belichick from ultimately taking that job unless they change that structure. I still don't like that. I don't like having the person who's in a job that is kind of part of football operations and kind of isn't because when things go well, that person takes credit. When things don't go well, that person says, I'm not in football operations. And it just creates the potential for in-house dysfunction. I think so much of what's lacking with so many of the dysfunctional teams. This is that dynamic again, folks, of the $10 billion business that's run like a family-owned food truck. You've got a mom-and-pop operation, and the folks who are just happen, happen, I was just minding my own business. Dad died, and he left me the team, right? So... They don't necessarily understand how to make a properly functioning football operation. A properly functioning football operation does not have opportunities for people when the going gets tough to start blaming each other and pointing fingers and trying to protect themselves. I guess that's true in any business, but in this business, they're all winning as it relates to money. They're not winning on the field, and that's when the dysfunction begins to emerge. Having that buffer between the owner and the GM can create problems. That said, that said, when your owner is David Tepper, <laughs> maybe it's good. Maybe anybody throw a rock and hit somebody. This is the person I report to every day. As long as it's not David Tepper, good. Let's do it. But you're right. It's not an attractive job. This is and, – and see, 
you, you, this is, you know, you've got the, you've got the segment of the media that is so wired to kiss butt that everything they find a positive in everything because they feel like they're part of this effort to promote the NFL to everyone in a positive light, and that's not what our jobs are. But you'll hear this from time to time. Well, there's only 32 of these jobs. This is a great job because there's only 32 of them. It doesn't mean it's a great job. Yeah, there's only 32 of them. That doesn't mean they're all great. That doesn't mean every circumstance is great. There are bad and there are good. And this is bad. Right now, this is bad. David Tepper has made it bad. He has made it undesirable. So what happens is, yes, you'll find somebody who'll take it. But if you've got somebody who's got options, they're not going to opt to go there. You're going to get somebody that has nowhere else to go. Have we seen Dan Morgan's name on the interview list for the Chargers or the Raiders? I haven't seen it. Nothing against Dan Morgan. And again, he's regarded as a guy who at some point was going to be a GM. Maybe he's getting there a little early because he just happened to be the guy who already was working there. And he kind of fell into the job when Scott Fitterer was fired. And now... You know, again, David Tepper needs someone to take the job. So I hope Dan Morgan does well. I hope they change the narrative. I hope for the best, but I'm prepared for the worst. And I find it interesting, Mike. They hired an outside consulting firm, and they ended up hiring in-house. So that tells you (laughs) something right there. And, you know, on on the one hand, you know, Dan Morgan, it makes perfect sense. On the other hand, he was – at least partly responsible for that roster that the Panthers put together for this season. And let me just tell you, it was not a good roster. And the pick of Bryce Young, obviously right now after one season, does not look like the right pick when they had their choice of quarterbacks and they picked Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. I don't know whether Bryce Young is going to become a good quarterback or not. I know 100% that C.J. Stroud already is a top-10 quarterback, maybe a top-5 quarterback after one season. I know what C.J. Stroud is. I know that you should have picked C.J. Stroud with the number one overall pick. So how much was he responsible for that choice of C.J. Stroud, of of Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud? I think that was probably David Tepper's pick, but they got to keep David Tepper out out of the draft, out of the draft room, out of whatever they're doing. If Dan Morgan wants to succeed, it's got to be his picks, not David Tepper's picks. Didn't you hear, though? It was unanimous. It was unanimous. That was according to David Tepper. It was unanimous. Everybody wanted Bryce Young. And, you know, if it was unanimous, here's how it became unanimous. David Tepper was making it known internally what his preference is. So if you want to be perceived as somebody who gets along with the owner, that's your preference, too. That's one of the realities of a dysfunctional football operation. And I'm sorry, fans, you're stuck with David Tepper until he's no longer the owner. Whether he sells, whether he retires... Whether he dies, you're stuck with the owner. You can't fire the owner. That's what Jed York said several years ago, and he's absolutely right. And I feel for the fan bases out there that are owned by dysfunctional ownership groups. And as I've said many times, there is no test. You have to take two tests to be able to drive a car. There is no test that you have to take to own a $10 billion NFL franchise. It is sad, and it is also one of the reasons I love covering this sport. Because it adds layers and levels of intrigue and drama. And I don't want to say uncertainty because after 20 years, you realize it's not uncertain. The dysfunctional teams will indeed do dysfunctional things. The next dysfunctional thing the Panthers will have to do is hire a head coach. There are many candidates 
They need ultimately someone who's going to get the most out of Bryce Young. David Tepper has said that. It's not like they're going to bring in somebody who says, okay, you know what you want? You know what you need to do? The first thing you need to do is get a quarterback who isn't 5'11. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody who genuinely believes in Bryce Young and who has a plan for getting the most out of him. So next year, everyone will be saying, maybe they didn't draft the wrong guy. No pressure. No pressure, new head coach. But, Shereen, I don't know how you – there's no litmus test for that. There's no truth serum that can be applied here to a head coach who, you know, maybe believes, as many do, it's, you know, pretty good to be 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", if you're going to be a quarterback in the NFL. So I don't know where they go next. I don't think they go where they – I don't think they know where they go next, but they obviously need somebody that's going to get more out of Bryce Young. Well, Dave Canellis makes perfect sense. Been in the same division, worked with the short quarterback in Baker Mayfield, and he has a history with Dan Morgan. They work together in Seattle. He makes perfect sense to this team. I don't know if that's the direction they go. Dan Quinn also has a relationship with Dan Morgan from their Seattle days. But I'm with you. This is a team that has to go offense, has to hire an offensive guy for this job. But to me, Dave Canellis just makes perfect sense with his relationship with Dan Morgan, the fact that he's coached in the same division, and the fact that he's had a quarterback similar to Bryce Young in Baker and Mayfield that he made look, frankly, really good this season. I don't know if they can do better than Dave Canellis. Again, you're rolling the dice, Mike. We don't know how he's going to be as a head coach. But I do know he got the most out of Baker Mayfield this season. Watch your back, Todd Bowles. You know what happens in Tampa Bay when a defensive head coach has an offensive coordinator who starts getting sniffs for head coaching jobs elsewhere when he's just done a great job with a new quarterback. You know what happens. Just ask Lovey Smith what happens in those situations. So I'm not saying that's going to happen in Tampa. All I'm saying is they've done it before, or at least some believe that's exactly what happened when Lovey Smith was fired and Dirk Cutter got the job after Dirk Cutter showed that he knew how to coach Jameis Winston, or at least he showed enough that they thought he could coach Jameis Winston. They didn't want to lose him to another team. I digress just a little bit. That's the Canales angle, and especially if you're looking at losing Canales in the division. I just, it, it makes me wonder what Buccaneers ownership will think about Canales moving on, especially when he did a great job getting a lot out of Baker Mayfield in their one year together in Tampa Bay. Let's take a break. When we return... Brock Purdy had some comments last week that somehow were buried, and because they were buried, they were largely ignored. I talked about him yesterday on PFTPM. Shereen Williams and I are going to talk about it next year on PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.